Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 54 of the Rewind. I hope you're having a fine day wherever you are and whatever you're up to. And if you are looking forward to Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, the upcoming MMORPG by Visionary Realms, your day is about to get a little better because that's what we talk about here. And whether you're here for the premiere on YouTube and in the live live chat, uh, or you're listening at your convenience uh, through iTunes or Spotify or any of the other podcasting platforms that we use, uh, we bring you up to speed with what's going on in the game's development and what's up in the community. And by my side, as always, is my traveling companion, my co-host, Minus. How are you doing, pal? Good, man. How are you? Doing doing good here. I, uh, I got to tell you, the last week or so has been hell. I've been working a ton. And I had to do like nine or ten straight days of work, and they were long shifts because we had someone on vacation. And I had to, my daughter got hurt at school, so I had to like bail out of work and figure all that out. But finally, Thursday and Friday of this week, I got days off. And I got to tell you, Thursday, draft day, I was just lazy as <laughs> could be. Literally That's sat funny. on the couch. Me and you were texting quite a bit back and forth during the draft. Yeah. That was kind of fun to step away. It was, but, fun. Uh, yeah. it was funny. You made a comment during the draft. Uh, we were making fun of like some of the bad announcing and bad commentary. And <laughs> it I was, was like, really man. bad this year. It was really bad. Yeah. And, and I said, I said something like, man, I think they could hire us to do this draft better. And you're like, well, we just already did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. We need to send that tape to the NFL network or to ESPN. <laughs> and you're like, Hey man, what do you think of this? Yeah. Like some of that commentary was so funny. At one point you text me because the guy referred to a player. He's like, this guy's got typewriters for feet. Like he was talking about an offensive lineman. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what the hell was that? Like, what? what? I've never feet. heard that before. Although there was a great one whenever uh, Belichick looked like he was going to get the quarterback he wanted and he didn't have to do anything. And they showed a picture of Belichick and then they showed a picture of Mac Jones. And they're like, I'm already hearing the Imperial March music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty funny, too. Yeah, it, it was, was yeah. yeah, it had its moments, that's for sure. I know a lot of people don't like us talking about sports ball, but you I should know. be very happy because finally it looks like the Bears got a quarterback, which they haven't been able to do in what, like 100 years or something? Yeah, at least 100 years. Yeah, no, I, I'm really, really happy with this best case scenario and I won't go into it too deep, but yeah, man, <laughs> Bears fan, we needed a good draft and I think it worked out the way it the most ideal way it could have. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked today. Yeah. What, what are the odds of your favorite team being called the bears? I mean, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a cruel twist of fate that you and I are <laughs> such good friends and my, my team is the bears. And uh, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes the, the universe just lines up in weird ways, man. What can I tell you? It does. It does. I was <laughs> going to put out a video the other week and not even tell you like clip the, do you remember the, um, uh, why Pantheon video? Mm-hmm, of course, when you kind of like talked about when you did a little section in there. It was one of the first things we ever did together. I was going to mm-hmm. put that clip out and be like, wow, how times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know it was uh, it was different, different times back then. We, we got to do another. We got to do like a new one of those, like seriously, like a new community made video. Yeah, we'll think something. Yeah. Like that. Anyway, hey, we could talk sure. forever and we could drag the show. Mm-hmm. on. there's a ton of stuff to talk about. Like we have a lot of really good things to talk about. So I'm going to shut up. Let's move yeah, forward. we do. Yeah, so let's let's thank our adventuring party this week, all of whom donated during last week's show. We have Dan Johnson, the Human Ranger, which we actually guessed correctly last week, which we're very proud of. Uh, Dustin Harms on the Archive Druid, Lucille on the Gnome Enchanter, Ziploc on the Darkmare Rogue, Brian Reck on the Gnome Summoner. Crow singing is switching it up this week, and she's actually being an elf bard this week. A Sparrow also switching it up. She's getting a little more aggressive, moving from Druid over to Elf Ranger, which is awesome. 
and Bounty Code on the Human Paladin, and Kalem on the Archai Shaman. So as always, thank you very much to everyone who donated to the show, and we always appreciate your support. I do want to make a quick announcement, um, just something quickly before we start the show that we, Minus and I are talking about in terms of how we want to keep doing this. We, uh, we're looking at launching a Patreon uh, campaign, Patreon page for uh, supporters who want to support the show. We really want to make it the most um, flexible as we can for our listeners and people who want to support the show. We're just sort of figuring out exactly what we want to do, what we want that to look like. We're consulting with some of the with some of the people who frequently donate to the show just to sort of get a feel for like, you know, what would work for you the best? What would, uh, you know, what, um, what would you like to see? What kind of features or what kind of like tiers if you know how patreon works you know it's basically like there's tiers and that kind of thing anyway it's it, we're just sort of thinking about that right now so if you um if you have any thoughts or feedback or suggestions on that we'd love to hear it um <clears throat> we don't want to discourage anybody but we also want to make sure that nobody feels obligated to, mm-hmm. to donate every week we do a weekly show and that's the thing minus on how is you know we sort of said to each other like man we do a weekly show you know i don't want anybody to feel like oh i can't donate this week so i you know i'm not supporting them they're going to notice that's like no like please <laughs> seriously don't because it just we just are very cognizant of uh, the fact that we you know it's a weekly commitment is a big thing we don't want anybody to feel that way yeah and, so. and they're coming to jump in for a minute if you're okay mm-hmm. with that and just be really real with everybody who's listening um if anyone's followed us for a long time we've never asked anybody to do anything more than then follow us, um, which is free or, you know, thumbs up a video from time to time or, you know, contribute to conversation. Like it's really weird because this whole donating thing came from you guys, the community. We, we didn't push this. Um, we wanted to just reward people who were doing that. It just started one day and then it just became this weekly thing. And I'm just going to be open and honest. Me and Theric are both like, like almost feel like we don't do enough to deserve it. And we're like, like, what do we, what do we do to show people that like supporting us in all these different ways is, you know, it helps us how, what it means to us. Like That's it's right. weird. We, we weren't really prepared to have these donations roll in it. And, and I'm thankful as hell. And, and so is Derek, like don't misinterpret what we're saying, but we want to make sure you're getting value back for supporting us like that. And we weren't mm-hmm. really ready to do that. We didn't really have a great plan in place. And like, we, we want to make sure you know when you donate to us that it's being put to use to make better content, to to spread Pantheon, to give away pledges. So it, it kind of just kind of came to be. And again, I know it sounds ridiculous because of the hard work we put in. This is hard. We've been doing it almost for three years now. And but we've never asked for for monetary donations like this. And we're still not. We're just really appreciative yeah, when you do it. Right. It's 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 awkward. Yeah. It's we don't know how to handle it. We're not <laughs> we're not prepared. <laughs> we're not prepared. That's the key takeaway is that the show's going to remain free. Like there's never going to be anything like yeah. this is not going to be a paid show. Like We're doing this and anybody who wants to listen to it will always be able to listen to it. Don't don't misinterpret. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of. Uh, just a matter of having a better plan, like you said, minus so uh, a little bit more of a plan going forward so yeah. we can manage, manage things a little bit better for everyone, for you, for us, for everyone. So, And, and at the end of the day, you know, when we started Pantheon plus and, and we've talked about it for three plus years, like I said, it, we we've told you guys, it's about the community. It is not the minus show. It'll never be the minus show. It's not the rewind show. Pantheon plus is a culture. It's a community that you guys and girls out there make happen these content yeah. pieces are to spread the word, to make the community bigger, to to give people a chance to speak up. So when when we look at what we've been afforded from all of you, 
We want to make sure it aligns with that vision. That's always been the vision since day one, because that's every everything and every decision we make always goes back to that day one mission of community matters. So that's what mm-hmm. we want to make sure we do with this. So yeah, please help us create that. What do you want to see? You know, ping mm-hmm. Peric, thing. <laughs> I can't even talk. <laughs> ping Theric or I, and um, you know, let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So work in progress and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you know. So Minus, are you ready to uh, hit the next section here? Oh yeah, let's go. 10-4, good buddy. I hear you. Looks like a dev is dropping some new information. I'm heading in. So people have responded very well when we're able to get to, uh, some content or quotes that maybe got buried in a Discord or a forum or Twitter or wherever they might be from developers. So when we have it, we will start every single rewind with the new dev tracker. We'll call this dev tracker quick hits. That's the new bumper. If I have a chance to make a bumper and make a new segment, I always will because I love it. I don't know why, but I absolutely love making bumpers. So there was just two this week, Theric. And as always, the way this will go is I'll read it, then jump in. You know, what does it mm-hmm. mean to you? That kind of thing, right? So yeah. there was one that I found very interesting. And I think a lot of people in the community will find interesting. But in response to uh, being asked if we will be able to stream during Alpha, Joppa actually jumped in on the unofficial Discord and said, we want Alpha testers to be able to stream the game. That's exactly why our Alpha standards are high. That was a pretty yeah. big announcement. Um, now he's saying they want that to happen. Will it happen right away? We don't know. But the fact that that's a goal in alpha for anyone to be able to um, stream that is pretty awesome. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, thing? we live in a uh, we live in a the age of streaming and everybody streams everything. Right. And but you actually don't see a lot of uh free sort of open access streaming to games that are in early development. Some you do, but it's not the majority. So this is um, pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to see it obviously. And I think it would do well. I think it would be a good thing for the game and for a game that's looking to be very polished um, from an alpha perspective. I think it's a great, uh, great goal to, to aspire to. Yeah, I agree. It's exciting for sure. You know, I'm all into that. So yeah. I can't wait to be able to, you know, and I'll still keep trying to fight and push for, you know, some content and some videos, you know, as a, sure, as a, of course. as a whole content team, you know, Theric, Drac, myself, but also working with Nathan and Bazgrim. If we get a chance to show you guys anything and we can work on that with VR, no matter what we have to sign off on, you know, we're going to try to make that happen because we want to, we want to share the fun for sure. So, mm-hmm. yep. and then the only other one is, um, the, there's a lot of discussion going on on no drop items, you know, like what does it mean when, you know, all the, a lot of people believe all the items in the game for the most part are going to be, you know, droppable, tradable, sellable, even if you've equipped it. So Joppa just jumped in to kind of clarify this. And he said, uh, for clarity, when I've spoken about this publicly in the past, my intent was not to communicate that we would have no, no drop items. We certainly will. My point was specifically that we would not be nearly as heavy handed with no drop or a soulbound mechanic like you see in WoW. So yeah. I love this. Um, I've always been sort of against some of the higher items that are in really hard to get raid content, like being droppable. Like someone could just farm a bunch of money and get the hardest to obtain items in the game. I'm not a huge fan of that personally. How do you feel? Yeah, well, I think that there's been an overcorrection though, right? And I think that's what sort of what we're what we're hearing from Joppa here is like, you know, there there's a need for it occasionally, but what we've seen is like, far too much of that kind of thing going on just to just to uh, short circuit any sort of fear of economic woes right fear of an unbalanced economy and things like that so 
Like you don't want to overdo it. And, and I think we've seen that in a lot of games. So I'm happy. I've always liked the approach that they've taken with more of a free trade, open trading, you know, very high end items and very important items being available on the market and being tradable and, and that kind of thing. So I think it's a good perspective. And I, I think it's an important correction, an important clarification uh, on his part. Yeah, I do worry a tiny bit just about um, saturation of items. So it's really going to come down to how often they're dropped, how easy they are to get. Um, various, you know, different types of weapons that are within the same horizontal progression, so to speak. Um, yeah. I do, I, I hope that, and, and they've, they've addressed that they're looking at it many times, but I just, I hope there's a really solid way to remove items from the economy. Yeah. I just, I just miss the open trading, right? I miss seeing a zone chat where people are selling and buying stuff, right? And like, think of a game that you've played lately that has that going on extensively. I mean, I can't think of any, you know, everything's done sort of, you know, I I get that auction houses have taken that away a lot too. It's not done publicly in an open Mm -hmm. zone sort of way. Um, But I do think that there's a lot of player trading and player economy that's been sort of snuffed out by uh, making overuse of no drop items. Well, when we played Dark Age of Camelot, there seemed to be a really good market for feathers. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a feather based economy in Dark Age of Camelot. It really is. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah. I, I still don't understand all that. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand a lot about that game. But anyway, let's move on <laughs> to our standard section in VR News and Notes. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. All right, so let's get to the uh, Twitter questions. We have two of them. And the first one is hot topic nerfed items. What say you? This is a hot topic topic. for me. This is a hot one for me. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear what you have to say too. So let's kick it off with uh, Basgrim. Everybody knows Basgrim. He's one of the top, if not the top uh, content creator for Pantheon. He says, I feel like players who earn an item should get to keep it in its original state. It's not their fault the designers didn't balance it correctly, but it should get a tag like Relic, which notes that it's a pre-nerf version, so it isn't tradable, so that it doesn't affect the economy. Now, before we comment on that, he got a response from Keith Hill, And Keith Hill said, I agree with this principle balanced with common sense. If the item in question is so bugged that you can one shot a boss, then no, it wouldn't be good to keep it in pre-nerf state. But if it's just moderately overpowered, then yes, the relic idea would be awesome. What do you think of that, Mm -hmm. Nick? I think that's exactly right. I actually made that in my notes, too. I said we have to differentiate what we're talking about here. Are we talking about like bugged items that that just completely game breaking items? Or are we talking about a, a power level? That's definitely two different things. And, and I think that's uh, you really want to differentiate between those two and, and stay away from nerfing the, the power level stuff. Um, but you have to nerf something that causes an exploit or causes a bug or causes something to be short circuited in some way. That's just you have to. There's no way around it. I agree. Uh, Caraborn says unpopular opinion here, but nerfs are needed. People lose their mind over it, but it's how it goes. If there's a sword that does 10 times as much damage as another sword equal to it, but it's way easier to get, then that needs to be nerfed. Same with classes and abilities. Kind of agree. The, the trend mm. the trend with class nerfing that bothers me is when something is implemented and it's working exactly as they planned, but it makes it better than other classes, so they nerf it. That, to me, yeah. is really frustrating. Like, If a yeah. class is great and fun to play and people feel great about it and an ability works really well and maybe it puts them ahead on the DPS meters... 
I feel like you should be trying to raise the other classes up to that level of fun instead of lowering the fun on the class that's outperforming. That's my personal Yeah. Opinion. Class balance is a bit of a different topic than than item nerfs, I think. Mm. Um, there's just more to it. I think there's more uh, involved in that. When, um, but I would, I mean, I would say like, you know, there's always trade-offs. Like even if something, if one class's ability can do something another class can do, but 10 times easier, that's not necessarily a problem. It just means that there's a trade-off that they, there's a give and take, right? And class imbalance is something we've talked about a lot being important. For sure. Jonathan Yeager says it's a useful tool that gets abused in class balancing. <laughs> so just as you're talking about that, <laughs> the facts are simple. All classes are not created equal. There is a, a hierarchy where rogues rule supreme and all other classes are below oh, them geez. where they belong. Anything else is an insult to the one true class. Rogues. You've started a whole meta meta thing here where people are just baiting you now to pick their comments. They know what to say. He means they, it. They've got it out. He means yeah. it. Uh, next up is Verano. Uh, Verano says, I'm in favor of nerfing items when needed. The best games are reactive to overpower items and mechanics and respond accordingly by balancing them to the best of their ability. They also go on to say they need to be upfront about this, however, with nerfing things. If people are upset because they grinded for an item that was nerfed, well, it's on their own damn fault <laughs> if they <laughs> already stated that nerfing OP items is a possibility. That's, that's an I, intelligent I, thing to say. I have a big problem with that, though. Here's my thing on that. I thought of that. And what if people are like sort of doing that? What if people started following that advice and started exercising caution when it we we're working on an assumption that something was going to be nerfed, right? So let's say that there's a really great bow that I want, but I look at it and I think, man, that's powerful. It's great. They're just going to nerf it. I'm not going to bother going for it, right? <laughs> no, that's a good that point seems counterintuitive. Then you start to, to worry about everything. No, that makes sense. I get that. Yeah, it just it would it set a bad precedent in my mind. So I don't want it, that underlying cynicism to get out of hand, right? If I get it, they're just going to nerf it. So you, you got to use some discretion. Yeah. Uh, Zerjerk says that there are no need to nerf items if they are tested. That is why it is good to have a test server where players can play test them. 50 plus minus players testing one item should give enough info on how an item works. Also, the devs testing the item should not be his or main character as that will cloud judgment. <laughs> so you're saying I shouldn't test rogue weapons? Like, no, these work great. <laughs> these are good. Don't keep these yeah, out there. Don't, and don't let Zerg Jerk test any spears because mm. they will, they'll never get nerfed. Never. Um, let's see here. Um, Inu de, de Blas, de Bleats. Um, I'm pretty sure I never have a problem pronouncing their name, and now I am. Um, mm -hmm. Nerfed items are nerfed for everyone. Mistakes by developers shouldn't haunt the game for eternity. There's any real competition to be expected. Players can't be allowed to have things that other players cannot get anymore that affect mechanics. Mm. There's two, there's two parts to that. There is the one part that haunt the game for eternity. Yes. If an item haunts the game and it literally is game breaking and nobody can compete with that item, then I do 100% stand by the fact that that's that, that high level breaking point issue. The part, though, about like a good item no longer being available, I kind of like it, especially if it's sellable in the market, because that thing becomes so valuable. And if you get your hands on one, it's like, yes. Yeah, so, I, I would take that to the next step. I, I think you, I was disagreeing with you at first, but the end part, what you said, I agree with. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I do want pre-nerfed versions to be existing in the world. Like if they change an item. I say, now it depends. The, the, the caveat I'll say is it depends on how many are in the world, right? If there's tons, then yeah, you need to change it because it's just, but let's say that there's like, you know, the devs can tell, right? How many are in the world? Like if there's five, 10, 15 floating around. I think in that kind of case, you leave it 
and you let it have those extra stats, <clears throat> the pre-nerf version of it, it becomes sort of like a Mona Lisa item, right? It's like, yeah, there's but copies. It, it can make the game not fun. Like if those people, like let's say two of those people are in a guild and that guild now has an advantage over everyone because it's that powerful. Like that's not good. I, I, I don't think that that would work. Like from an individual look at how cool this is standpoint, I totally agree with you and I understand but if it becomes something that makes content trivial, then I just, I can't get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, making content trivial, that's, you're right. That's power level to the extreme. But I, I, I just think if there's a, if there's a slight imbalance, you leave it the way like, it is. Like Again, it depends on how many are out there. If there's 10 rogues who do four times as much damage as any other rogue, I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. But then you can, what if those rogues decide to sell their awesome weapon at some point we saying if what if it? i'm one of those rogues well, if i'm one of those rogues it doesn't matter obviously no i'm just kidding uh, no i don't like it i think that it should uh the competition and skill and friendly banter on you know trying to outperform people of your same class or learning together i, I don't like weapons that would break that experience or items in my personal opinion i know that's yeah. probably crazy to hear from me but i don't fair enough um, fair enough and I'm not saying that has to be balanced. Like there should still be items that are awesome, but I'm talking about like these, like, oops, what did we do that? Mm-hmm. I, as somebody said before, it shouldn't haunt the game for eternity to have this item out there. It's a good um, way of putting it. Yeah. And the final one here is nocturnal demise it says any game with emphasis on player economics. If you nerf an item, nerf the new drops, but keep it tradable. It says what you were saying, you've increased the value of what's been made found. And that keeps the economy more interesting. Exactly. Exactly. That's how I feel about it too. Well, I think we both kind of already jumped in on our thoughts here. Was there anything else you wanted to add before we get to the next one? The only, yeah, the only other point I was going to make here is that there's another factor to consider when you're deciding whether to nerf an item or not. And it's whether it's like a rare drop or it comes from a quest, right? Mm. If it's a rare drop, it's a little bit easier to nerf because then it's like, you know, yeah, you worked for it by camping for a while, but you also just maybe got lucky or something like that. If it's a really long involved quest line, you know, like think of the epic weapons from EQ, right? You better be careful with those because those are personal investments in steps that you've taken. And, you know, I would say those are probably better left alone. And if you are going to do something with those kinds of items, you need to be really like cognizant of how much time somebody has invested in something. Whereas if it's something like, you know, yeah, that's tough though. You could, you, like, I camped the ancient Cyclops for like, what did I say, like 72 hours that one weekend. Yeah. And got a couple like J boots out of it. Like I, that's a lot of time. <laughs> no, I know it's, I'm not saying it with like a hundred percent confidence. You know. Cause like I get that part of it too. I just, for some reason for me, a- plus a quest. I mean, don't get me wrong. A quest still needs a bunch of rare items throughout the period of the quest, but a quest is something everybody can do. Um, yeah. especially with tradable items. So if there's a lot of tradable items, like you could go buy certain pieces of that quest. So that's true. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I just, mm. the game can't be compromised. The game fun and challenge cannot be so heavily compromised that it becomes trivial. I think that's the word I used before. I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. So the next one here is community debate. How do you feel about events and what do you hope to see? This is a fun one. So mm-hmm. Jorgen Wickstrom says, uh, for the most part, I enjoy them, both reoccurring holiday events and special one-timers. I hope to see some significant world-changing events. When you expand the world, just a new expansion or just add zones, make a big splash of it with events and quests leading up to the release. Yeah, those are always fun. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's actually what I'm going to talk about towards the end here. Uh, Crow Singer said, I like events that are unpredictable and make players in the zone come together. Not timed events like the Dragons in Guild Wars 2. Not the same zone boss spawning in the same place. Surprise us. Make us work it, uh, work it out. Make us feel something. No pressure. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, make uh, us feel something. That's like the, the easiest thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Sarcastically. Uh, Gaming Fanatic says, I love when MMOs have events. I like server-wide triggered events, not solo events. It's nice to see everybody on the server working together. Um, Pretty fun. I agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. JStock had a couple tweets here. They said, um, events are hard to do. Using them as a way to get people to log in for cosmetics is dumb. Ideally, events would relate to lore. If they're tied to the real world, it breaks immersion. I want a world of its own, not one that changes based on the time of the year. I don't want a winter festival if there's no seasons. I don't want a Valentine's Day in Terminus. Self-contained holidays or events are fine as long as they do not create too much urgency. Game completion, time-gated holidays feels cheap. I want to play the actual game. Yeah. That's a, so there's yeah, go, go, go. You go first. Yeah, I just say it's a really, really good point. Um, I was I was thinking along the same lines of this. And um, I went and checked out the forums because I wanted to see what people had said on the forums. And, and uh, our friend Dustin Harms made a really, really thorough post about this. And this is what he's talking about. He specifically references things like Black Desert Online, you know, and, and other games that do events sort of a little bit more, uh, I don't know what the word frequently? is, but frequently and maybe a little bit more generically, I want to mm-hmm. say. Um, and, and basically what I, at the end of the day, I think what he's saying and what JSTOCK37 is saying here is that, you know, events should be meaningful, you know, and have a really strong connection to the world. So I, everybody should go over to the forums and check out Dustin's post over there. It's really, really good. Well, I've said for a long time on this, that there's a baked in way to do important events in Pantheon already. You just have arrival days. Like like the right. celebration yes. Yes. of the arrival of the races to the planet. I mean, that writes itself in. It know? really does. Right? And that could be really I'd cool. Love that. Mm. Mm-hmm. That'd totally be cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Next up is Ed Downs. I love that their tw- Twitter handle is at first downs. Like they got that. That's <laughs> pretty impressive. They probably sell that. Um, yeah. Ed Down says, love random unique events run by GMs. It was always fun in EQ to be surprised by something unexpected going on in a zone. Yeah. Like that. Yep. Tugboat yeah. says, uh, random events that slowly build up and you feel them trickle across the server of something is happening are the best. Annual holiday events are fine, but they're just done to death. Uh, makes me wonder what will happen next. Yeah. The best is like when you were in a zone and you heard from somebody else, like, Hey, something's happening over in this zone. Like get over here now. Like, yeah, and the like, whole yeah, server was like, yeah, just migrated to one zone because they heard something was going on. That's super yeah. fun. It is fun. Uh Bitoman says, I actually miss GM events. And so he also is on that same there. He says that was one of the saddest losses in EverQuest and WoW for me. They became so rare that I never got to see them anymore. And they just sort of disappeared altogether. They were always special. So kind of hitting on what yeah. you were talking about there. Um, Balorni says, I'd rather have unique events related to the game lore rather than reoccurring events related to real life, which we kind of talked about already. I love this yeah. guy's name. Big beef stud pile. <laughs> I saw this comment. It's <laughs> like, this is a new one. <laughs> yeah. He goes, um, Halloween events on EQ were incredible. We would take the day off just to run them as a group. So see, some people do like those still. Well, I'm going to give Guild Wars 2 a little props here. I've talked about it before, but the Halloween events that Guild Wars 2 does were, were fun. And I and I have to admit that I, I enjoyed the Halloween events that they do. Yeah. 
And finally, uh, Quest says, I like events where high-profile characters are taken over by devs or GMs. It was great to see them in the real world. What was the Mistmore person that GMs used to take over and just kill people with all the time? Um, um, shoot, I can't remember his name Something now. Mistmore, right? Yeah, his last name was Mistmore. I'm just trying to remember his first name. This is where the chat um, flames us for not remembering this one off the top of our heads. But we do remember that it happened, and we do remember that it's in Mistmore. We just don't know his first name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's funny. You know what? This this comment at the end, I didn't look at your comments ahead of time. And this comment at the end is like perfectly leads into what I was going to say here. I had a, I had my, in my notes here, like, th- I think of it like the matrix, right? Remember when, a when one of the, um, agents, the agents would more, yeah, morph into like a character in the matrix. And it was like their face would sort of twist for yeah. a minute. That's what I see NPC, like I see, I see GMs doing with NPCs and, and, and in MMO events and GM uh, events like this. And and when I thought about it like that, I was like, you know why GM events are important is because it keeps the devs like involved and connected to their world, right? It's our world, like we're playing it, but it's they created a lot of this. And I love that they get to be like, you know, use their role in the game to to see how the, their vision play out and sort of create the storyline, right? Like we hear JN talk about this all the time and you hear the he's in this world, right? He's, he lives in this world in his head. And you can just imagine, imagine we were out like, you know, camping some, you know, a bandit camp one day and like some NPC just sort of wanders by and they're kind of like <clears throat> mumbling to themselves about a lost tome or something like that. And it, it was actually, you know, a GM starting, trying to start a, an event, right? How cool is that, right? I, I think that that idea really sparks me for, for GM events. So what about you? Yeah, it's a pretty good idea. I remember um, one specifically in Warcraft, and I, and I say specifically, I, I believe it was for the upcoming launched Lich King. But it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Lich King. I don't think it was Burning Crusade. But um, this giant like demon attacked um, like the Horde cities, and then we found out he was coming, and he attacked Ironforge, and he was huge, and he would one shot like low levels like instantly. And the thing was, is all these high levels came to fight him. But if a low level ran by, he'd one shot. And every time he killed somebody, he went back to full health. So you have all these high levels <laughs> like, please stop running to him. So well, anyway, what ended up happening is just the the pile of bones and corpses at the be- at the front of Ironforge was so incredible. Um, like I had, I got to find them, but I had screenshots like of me, like, looking at the front of my body, looking up over to the entrance. And there's just nothing but bones and bodies freaking everywhere um it was so cool and i don't think anybody ever killed him on our server um because the the noobs as we used to joke just like ran in and fed him we're like quit feeding him noobs we almost we almost got him yeah this is is where the whole feeding concept came from right in the the, uh dota stuff today yeah yeah (laughs) that's a great Um, story actually i I love events and uh one of the things our guild is committed to is that we're gonna have to we're gonna try to host some events because it doesn't have to be the the gms that make events like some of the most fun wow events that were remembered were like the naked gnome race that was put on Mm -hmm. by the community everybody would make a level one gnome and then they'd race from like now gnome gone to some other city and whoever got there first got a prize and people are dying left and right because they're going through difficult areas they're naked gnome and trying to get back <laughs> on so like um like that was a cool player thing and that even ended up becoming like a huge charity event in the future of it mm-hmm. because it got so big so we hope and, and i don't know what we're going to do right now but we hope as a guild and we hope other guilds out there that, that believe in community also want to put these events on or or you know give away rare prizes when we can to like some cool event style thing and I think yeah. that that would be really cool. It's going to be a challenge, but um, that kind of stuff can be really cool when the community puts that focus yeah. on. 
I'd, I'd love to do stuff like that. I totally would love to do stuff like that. It, it's we, we're doing that kind of right now with just the stuff we mm. do with the draft and with like other, uh, you know, things that we put on in game rewind. We'll do it at a bar. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Holy crap. That is a good idea. Oh man. But anyway, we're going to do an in game rewind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for VR news and notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion is all about. Okay, so this week for a community discussion, the topic is something that's been floating around in my brain for a couple of weeks here. And uh, I was kind of struggling with how I wanted to address it. And um, the topic is, is too much hype for a game like uh, Pantheon damaging? And the seed for this idea, this discussion came from a video by Josh Strife Hayes, which I've talked about before on the show. He's um, he, he makes the argument in one of his videos, recent video, uh, that overexcitement is detrimental. And he's specifically talking about Ashes of Creation in this case. And like I said, I've talked about Josh before. He's a smart guy. He's got a really good mind for MMOs. And I don't always agree with his opinion, um, but I think that's why I find his videos interesting. Um, so I think it, he highlights an important question. And I wanted to bring it up for discussion here so we can talk about it, you and I minus, and see what the community had to say. And we're going to see a few comments here that uh, are pretty uh, interesting. If you haven't seen the video, I've, I've linked it in the description for the uh, for the YouTube description. It's also in the show notes, so you can check it out on your own. I can just give you a quick couple of bullet points that he talks about. Here's the here's the basics of his argument. He says the, the hype levels around Ashes of Creation are very high right now. And he says these levels of hype are the most damaging damaging element for the game's development. And that issue is being created by the players. It's fed by unrealistic player expectations. He says if this continues when it releases, the game's going to fail through no fault of its own because the hype is too high, no matter how good it is. And basically the, the statement, the sort of sentence that he uses to wrap up the whole thing is don't board the hype train because you never it never stops where you think it's going to stop. So it's an interesting argument. And at first when I saw I thought about it some more and sort of let it stew for a while, I asked myself, how does this apply to Pantheon? You know, what's the difference between hype and being excited for something? These are the questions I had. So I wanted to see what the community thought. And here's here's some comments from the unofficial Pantheon Discord um, that were in response to this video. Um, one was from Ravencraft, and they said, it's true, I think a certain degree of wistfulness or hope is actually pretty good to have when diving into something new. But we have to try hard not to let it overcome rationality and trying to fit the game into boxes it isn't meant to fit into. Rather, accept it for what the devs intended it for. And that way in the worst outcome it turns out not if it turns out not to be the thing you expected you can move on without much fuss but if you pin all your hopes and dreams and aspirations on it it's going to be messy it's going to be a messy day on the forums um first another prominent community member said we all come into games projecting our hopes for what we like best on them it's honestly sort of tough to go in with an open mind and evaluate what the game is instead of what it isn't very good point yeah uh Pika June said, um, it's always Which is true Johnny, that people- by the way, Johnny has What's- like 7,000 names. So I want to give Johnny a shout out. That's Johnny. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. I did not know that. <laughs> he has like awesome. mul- multiple personalities on the unofficial discord. <laughs> He's a good dude. <laughs> oh though. yeah. Right, right, right. I think I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how people change up their avatar and their like mm-hmm. name and it's like, or he oh, goes okay. full tilt. He has like multiple. Can I talk to himself sometimes as a joke? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we're waiting for a game like Pantheon and as long as it's been, you know, that's, these are the kinds of things that start happening. Yeah. Anyway, they say um, it's always true that people who overhype a game to a point, uh, it can people do this and to a point it can never achieve. 
Same thing with WoW expansions. People expect it to be this game-changing thing, and it doesn't meet what they think, so immediately it sucks, and the comments, and they comment that they're lied to, et cetera, et cetera. It's true for most games, and they say Cyberpunk was one of them, too. <clears throat> now, actually, Joppa weighed in on this, uh, this discussion as well, because he said he'd seen the video, and he highly recommended watching it. And he, he added in, it's not the commentary on the ashes that he says, you know, he's, he's sort of recommending or agreeing with. He says it's just the general sentiments about waiting and hype. So that was kind of interesting to hear Joppa sort of um, give his thoughts on, on this issue. And then lastly, I want to comment too, because in the comments on the video itself, um, Stephen Shreve, who is the uh, CEO of uh, Intrepid Studios, I think is the company making Ashes of Creation. He, he commented as well, and I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just sort of hit some of the, the highlights. He said he tends to agree that in most cases, hyping a game can raise expect, expectations to unattainable heights and ultimately negatively impact the impression upon release for a game. With that being said, the caveat is there's a clear distinction between hype and excitement, and players should feel comfortable expressing their excitement for a game or a company based on solid reasons. So whether that's for things like graphics or design, gameplay, philosophy, whatever, you know, when it gets that type of support and feedback from fans, it helps the development by motivating the developers and dare I say the industry in several ways. So that's that's his uh, summation of, of what the what he took away from the video. And I was really glad to see that, you know, these videos like they are being taken by the people who are making these games because that's who this is sort of targeted at the community as well. But um, so. Here's my take on this. And minus, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are because mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're going to agree with me or not because we didn't agree on the last time when we talked about one of his videos. So here's, here's my take. The problem is it's, it's out of balance, right? There's a prevailing, real prevailing sentiment, um, especially in the MMO genre, but other games, game cultures as well, you know, that we as the public are constantly being screwed over, right? Every corner, every shadow, there's like a corporate evil genius, some upstart scammer making a, you know, a round on Kickstarter. Every day, a YouTuber, you know, seems to want to tell us why something is the worst thing ever. And that bothers me, right? Everybody's entitled to your opinions, but it's when I get upset is when I hear that we're the problem. Like when the people who are, who don't ride the complaint, like Josh said, the, the hype train, well, I don't ride the complaint train, right? I, I have my, criti my criticisms, but I don't ride that train of negativity. And, and when I get pulled in and, and told that I'm part of the problem, that's when I get, you know, I get rankled a little bit. And I think what Stephen Shreve was saying is really important. And I'm going to focus on a piece of what he said there. Have you ever undertaken a creative project, right? Like Minus, I know you have, and you're a, a very creative person. And, and, you know, I have, and everybody else who's done that, there's a couple inevitabilities that you face. And one is that your, your vision is going to get challenged and you're also going to hit a creative wall at some point, right? Before the project probably finishes. And when those things happen, you know, you look for feedback, you look for, you know, people to you, you know, sort of fill your well again, right? Like my wife and I always say to each other, like, like, you know, when I'm feeling down, she fills my well and vice versa. So I think that we have this sort of game mentality in the community is that we're like the parents to like these game developers. Like we have to keep them in line. We have to tell them that, you know, <laughs> we're not fools and we're not going to be taken for, for granted and taken advantage of. And I really don't see it that way, right? I see us very much more like, we're, we're, we're friends of the developers. We're supposed to be, you know, our role is to provide feedback, support sometimes. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I don't like the entitlement attitude um, because I think that's, I think it's out of balance, but that's, that's a couple points I, I would make minus. What do you think about that? Oh, such a big discussion. Um, yeah. Okay. So I want to start on something you said that I want to agree with. And we've actually, we talk about this behind closed doors quite a bit. 
You know, there's, um, there's people out there that, that think that, you know, if you're too positive, then that's a huge problem and you're, you're causing all these issues. And, and most of the time it's like, you start labeling people like the amount of times I've been called a white knight and told that, you know, I agree with everything VR says, which is so factually incorrect that it's insane. Anybody who listens to our podcast alone without any other content knows that I've questioned quite a few things, but people just don't like when people are excited and they're not. And and I think that's really what right, it's come to. Right, right. And so what happens is someone who's really excited isn't worried, isn't as concerned. And the people who are concerned, frustrated, and angry want people to agree with them. And it's not the other feeling on the other side. It's like the people that want to enjoy just want to enjoy and they want to quit being drugged down. Like that's not a lot to ask. Um, yeah. But then the people who are angry want to try to form these mobs, these echo chambers to agree with them. Now, there's a very big difference between straight up anger and frustration and then, you know, constructive criticism, which is fine. Right. But, but right. let's not pretend there's not this other side of the coin where people just attack anything positive. When a stream comes out and everybody's hyped up, those people show up. Right. And it's weird because you had said to me what happened in the world when you needed to label people and attack people for being happy and positive. And it's that's it was a crazy thing that you said to me. And that was well before this video. Maybe you had watched it and it kind of came to mind to you. But mm -hmm. it, it is mm -hmm. interesting that the villains are the happy people now. Like that's yeah. how we're trying to paint this picture. And it's it's interesting. And it's more interesting to me that content creators struggle with this. Content mm -hmm. creators want to win these people over that really there's no value in winning over sometimes. And again, remember, I'm talking about edge case here. I'm not talking about the people in the middle who are constructive and have concerns. But this issue of changing who you are to try to win people over who really aren't looking to be won over, they'll, you'll get them to agree with you and give you a high five here and there. And then they're going to go right back to trashing on you. They're not, you're not going to get any sustain from it. And that's why like a lot of content creators, and I'm not saying this is Josh, but there's so many of the most popular content creators. If you look at their highest viewed videos, they're always negative. It's always like, why does this game suck? Or this is the well, most yeah. ridiculous thing ever. It's always, they're the most highest viewed. People love negativity. People want to be like, yeah, yeah, that sucks. Like, it's it's very strange to me. It's the culture we're in. And I've said so many times, like, if we decided to do negative Pantheon videos, like, we'd get hits on them. But it's not well, who I am. I, I have no desire ever to be somebody who just, shits on stuff like I, that's not fun to me my creative outlet is for my excitement not my disdain and i don't know that's the key why that's yeah, the key I, i'm not here to be miserable like if i'm miserable i don't want to make a video <laughs> like, I'm that's the key is, is the, your creativity is sparked by by excitement and and interest and hope whereas you know i i do i feel like Every time I see a video, the title of it is the worst something ever or, you know, another scam screwed again. You know, like it's so prevalent and, and I get it. Or it's we, like it's like built up with a bunch of negative, right? Like, oh, I have a video coming and they, this group did the horrible thing. Don't miss it. Like you're going to hear about it. I'm going to go off like I know. And, it, and, and it's it's the problem isn't that it exists. The problem is that it's unbalanced right now and there's too much of it, um, you know, we are definitely suckers to our own uh, genetics and, and our brains look for problems. That's, that's why we, that's why these things can be attractive to watch. And, you know, it's just too, it's too enticing. Sometimes you want to know what, Ooh, what's the latest scam? Like, Ooh, what's the latest, you know, it's gossip. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it's just another form of like 
rag magazines at the counter of, you know, gossip and dirt sheets. Like that's what it is. And and for some reason, a huge part of our society like excite is excited about that. But I'm going to say something bold here, making content. My, my goal with making content is to spread the word about Pantheon because I'm excited about the game. I want to see the game succeed and I want to meet and build new friendships and build the community and get more people in. And if it doesn't get more people in, I'm happy with the people who are here that are part of this community and enjoy it. It's not yeah. my job to, to solve your anger and it never yeah. will be. I'll give out answers if there's something you're really worried about and I can answer it. Fine. You might see that. I might reach out and say, hey, don't worry about that. Here's what's going on. Or we may make a video to dispel some rumors that have been nasty or something like that. But at the end of the day, like, I'm sorry. And if if people don't like hearing this, I'm not here to appease you. (laughs) I'm really not. I'm sorry. It's not why I make content. I am not here to make content to make you feel better about your misery. I'm sorry. I'm here to be excited to have fun about a game. This is gaming. This is a hobby. This isn't politics. This isn't world events. This isn't even yeah. sports where you, you know, you have your team and that's all that matters. This is about a community. It's why I'm here. And until the day there is no Pantheon Plus, that's going to be what I am. And if you don't like yeah. that, unsubscribe, leave. But the thing is, is I'm not going to change who I am because people are pissed off. Like that's silly. What? Yeah, that's and just the thing is, is that if I thought for a second that what we were doing was in some way detrimental to Pantheon's development, mm-hmm. I, I totally, I would, I wouldn't do it. You know, everything but, we say and do is with one hundred percent integrity. Yeah, you don't so need to believe us. Excited. Yeah, yeah, but here's the thing: people don't need to believe us. I don't care because it's true. Whether you yeah. believe me or not, the things I say are with integrity. Here's the difference. And with him talking about, let's get back on track with this thing with like this hype kills the game. No, what kills the game is when you are getting so granular in your frustrations that you're forgetting about why you actually started following the game in the first place, which is usually a few key things. Like for me, Pantheon is class identity, challenge and group play. Those are the reasons I came in. Not to sit here and nitpick the number on a um, on a level bar. Like not to get so in depth that, oh, I'm not going to play this game if I can see their level and it doesn't have a con system. Like you didn't do that when you started playing this game. You're being ridiculous when you go so deep on these conversations that make you angry. Like I get it. You're allowed to have whatever hills you want to die on. I totally get it. But you can't have 75 hills you're going to die on on a game that's being built for mass consumption because it is called a massive multiplayer MMORPG. Everyone we've ever played has a bunch of things we like and a bunch of things we hate. And we deal with the things we hate because other people like it. And it's about playing a game together. MMORPGs are about a cooperative experience against the world. And sometimes there's those competitive things put on top of it. But at the end of the day, the first piece is being in in a world together and making it work. And I just like, oh, it makes me crazy. I know, I know, I know, and and you're 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 right. And the the other last point I want to make is that unrealistic expectations are certainly a thing. I'm not trying to dismiss mm-hmm. people having unrealistic expectations. That is a problem for sure. And I I know Josh um, listens to our show. He's commented before when we did the last video that mm-hmm. he did. You know, I love a good debate, and I am not telling you know saying that he's completely wrong about this. He makes a lot of good points. Yeah, I just don't think that it's to the extent that he's, you know, that it's, it's a problem to that extent. I think that 
that that critical <laughs> stuff is way more damaging than the, the any optimism or hope that's out there right now. If you get excited for a game and you go out and share it, you shouldn't feel ashamed about that. You shouldn't feel, yeah. you know, like a, like an idiot. You, you shouldn't you shouldn't feel like uh, vulnerable by that. And and I have you know. I tell that myself all the time. I'm like, if I'm going to put myself out there on a show and do something like that, I'm going to give an opinion. People are going to say, Oh, I'm just a, you know, white knight, whatever, that kind of thing, whatever, you know, I don't care. You know, like, I don't care. I'm not vulnerable to that. So that's fine. And I just, I don't want people to, I I just hate this cool kid culture of if I'm not critical, I'm not a cool kid. You know, I hate that. It's frustrating. It's just, again, like what's the goal? Like everybody wants Pantheon to succeed. So if you're going to just spend your day shitting on it, what's your goal? Why are you here? Like, I, I just don't get it. Now, listen, again, I need to be clear because I'm I'm ranting here and I get it. When I rant, people pick it apart and get angry. I'm not talking about having critical feedback. But what happens is when you are excited about something for two, and it takes too long and you don't have the patience, you need to back away. Take a break. It's healthy. With anything in life that you love, if you get too much of it or you're too inundated, you need to take a step back. It's the same thing I would do or Theric would do if it got to a point where it was too much. We'd take a couple weeks off or something, just reset our clocks, maybe take a month off. That could happen. And that could happen to us. It means it could definitely happen to you too. So that's fine. But don't forget the reason you got here. Like you got here because you were looking for something. Pantheon is going to provide what you were looking for and you got excited. You got hopeful. Just because it's taking long doesn't change that. Just because a couple things have changed doesn't change the the core reasons when you started uh, like following the game. There's so many things that weren't weren't fleshed out at that time that you now are knowing that had nothing to do with your excitement. Get back to the core again. Yeah. You can complain about anything you want. If, if the level thing, for example, is a big deal to you, you can say minus that that's a big deal to me. That's fine. But don't forget the real reasons why you're here. It's not that. It's not. No. And that, yeah. And yeah, man, like I get it. Like, listen, I'm happy to be positive. I'm happy to support VR because they're good people. I believe in them and I'm going to do that until the day I don't. And I will be critical on decisions that I don't like, but I'm also not going to cry about it and whine about it. I'll just say I don't like it, and here's why, but, you know, I'm going to trust them. What's wrong with that? I mean, again, I don't have many hills to die on, so I'm ready to play their vision. I believe in them. If I believe in them, then I can't sit here and critique every decision I don't agree with or I'm worried about. I'm just going to have to experience it. Yeah, 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 that's exactly it. Good. Yeah, well said, man. I'm glad we, I'm glad I brought this this debate up this was boiling in my brain i needed to sort of get this this one out there so I yeah and josh having- is josh is a good dude i talked to him a, you know the first episode of the rewind was uh or maybe pantheon plus you the first episode was about graphics and it was about his video so right. i actually talked to him yeah. a long time ago when he was sort of upstarting and uh we talked mm-hmm. about possibly doing something together on like a pantheon plus you it was a long time ago i don't even know if he'll remember but so I've, I've watched a lot of his stuff and he, does, he makes great content. I'm not sitting here labeling him like I've been screaming and yelling about here. He's a, he's a good dude. He makes great content. He's thought provoking. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't agree with this part here. I agree that people get nuts, but yeah. uh, I don't I don't blame the game for that. I don't blame the community for that. I blame the edge cases that are very loud that are the minority. Yeah. And I just don't think it's damaging. I don't think it's as damaging to a game. If the game is good. People will play it. And makes. Yeah. Exactly. If, if half the community following threw their hands up and said, I'm done with this. And they left, they'd be the first ones back when the game launches. If it's good. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right on, man. Great debate. Good stuff. Let's uh, let's do some just one introduction this week um, from the forums. This is from OG Telos seventy two, and they said uh, new pledge and a PC waiting to get some old school action. Can't wait to play with everyone. And so uh, I chimed in again on this one as well as community member Jothany, and we asked about the uh, their future racing class. And this is what he responded with. He said in EQ one and EQ two. I play as healers and casters. As for race, not sure yet. I know playing an ogre in EQ1 was a pain in dungeons, and a halfling sucked when you had to jump over a pit. So I have many years playing both games, even beta tested EQ2. Hope the game goes live soon. I've been telling a few young people how much fun those games are, and they are looking to play them themselves. So yeah, good. Welcome to the community, friend. And um, that's it for this week's community discussion. Here's the mail, it never fails It makes me wanna wag my tail When it gets here, I just yell Mail! We're getting sued Well, that song means it's time for the mailbox We have uh, three (laughs) questions today um, But there were more submitted So we'll definitely get to those next week I apologize, this episode's running a bit longer So we're gonna go with three of them today The first one's from JJ And he says, we're six years into development There's been a metric ton of information that we have learned Had to unlearn because it changed and things we've seen and experienced. However, most of the time, the devs' updates are focused on talking about new networking overhaul or how art assets are made, etc. Since they bounce around, some things that people keep looking forward to might be missed. So what is it, the one thing that you wish VR would talk about that is either they haven't talked about at all or haven't updated us on in a long time? Um, I'll go first with that. Um, I think that I would just like to... Oh, it's hard because there's a lot of stuff that they've, I would like to see personally more about like artifacts, atmospheres and more about climates. Now he said like something they haven't talked about a long time. They have talked about climates quite a bit and we've seen it, but I really like those things a lot. And I don't think we've really seen a lot of atmospheres. We've seen just the one artifact. We've heard about some artifacts. We haven't seen complete darkness. I'd really, really, really like to hear more about the complete darkness atmosphere um, mm-hmm. and see and experience that because it's supposed to be very tied to like the sounds you're hearing to kind of figure out which way to go and stuff. I really, mm-hmm. really want to see that because I think it'd be creepy. So that's that's one thing I'd like to get more info on personally. Yeah, we haven't seen like a couple of the atmospheres, either the burning atmosphere, the yeah. anaerobic or the pressure, anything like that. So I'm looking forward to seeing those. For me, this was um, this was uh, one about um, how they're going to emphasize, emphasize social connections. Um, this goes back to that profile long ago that uh, Brad talked about getting players to sort of help get together, you know, like-minded players who might enjoy playing together. And some of the things that um, enable the social connections in Pantheon, I'd love to hear them give an update on sort of where they're at with that, you know, any, any ideas they have, what tools they're, they're working on to do that. I think, um, I think the social bonding is really something that's going to set Pantheon apart. I mean, obviously, <laughs> from all the things we do. Um, so I just love hearing about those aspects, and they haven't really talked about that for a while. It's been um, it's been focused on some other areas. So I'd, I'd go with that. Nice, nice. Um, so this one was interesting. It's nothing that we can do, like put a perfect answer on, but it's a good point to bring up. And he says, with all the vaccination <laughs> action going on in many regions, um, how do you think things are looking, such as gaming conventions or an organized thing to interact with devs and vice versa? Is it a distant future or things looking up? what might a fan be able to encounter for, you know, pa- uh, Pantheon rise of the fallen, you know, uh, like yeah. a booth or something like that. You know, um, it's, um, yeah. 
what's funny about this question we were talking about the draft during the beginning of the show did you watch the draft on tv and mm-hmm. see like they had like all those fans they were yeah. all vaccinated like they had it was looked like a normal draft with like yeah. thousands of people right but they yeah. it was like the requirement was is that you had to have been vaccinated so even like the fans all the people in the green room like everybody there there was vaccinated so as long as that was the case they could have these kinds of events which is pretty cool to see i haven't seen that in a long time um, so I, I'm, I'm the lights at the end of the tunnel. Now, I, I mean, you and I both have no idea what, um, VR would do for something like this. My idea was that, you know, for us, for Pantheon plus, you know, we need, you know what we need to do. We need to get our, our, our band on the stage. We need to get minus and the boys oh, up on geez. the stage <laughs> to do another, uh, another cover song, maybe an original oh, or something like that. Minus and the boys. My- my my bass out and and rock out and you can sing your heart out and that's that's what i'm seeing i don't know what about you <laughs> minus and the boys nice that's a good <laughs> bring up um no you know let's be the truth like so you just brought up the draft and then i think it was the last rewind you know we talked about the draft and we talked about the indianapolis 500 and we talked about all these yeah, baseball right. stadiums filling up i mean the end is near um the end is near because you're seeing it happen um, so I don't know when, you know, the guys at VR are going to be able to do it. You think about development time and how much money could they really put into doing an event or a booth or, you know, it's a little trickier than just that, but I'll tell you, we're going to do one in Florida. Um, we had plans on doing it in 2020. I even talked to a venue. Um, we were able to have a stage set up with, um, I would bring my computer and we'd have webcam and live hook up to Twitch. So we could do straight stream to Twitch from the event and interview fans and talk about stuff right on the stage while we, you know, hung out with the community. Um, that is very much so something I am going to do. I don't know how we're going to get the money for it. I don't know what it's going to cost all that stuff. I'll figure out. I don't know where it's going to be. It will definitely be in Southern Florida here. Um, but yeah, that's going to happen. And, you know, maybe, maybe that can happen in, uh, at the end of 2021. Maybe that can happen in 2022. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but we're going to do that. I don't know how many people will come, but, um, I know there's a lot of people <laughs> that are around Florida or like to go to Florida. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I can't wait, man. It's going to be super fun. All right. So this one's pretty crazy, Theric, and it's probably going to take a bit. So we're going to rapid fire. You have to be quick and just think. And now it does not have to be in Pantheon. That's the key. Just boom. First thing that comes to your mind. John Wayne says, fun time. What, in your opinion, as a token ability, each class has to have for its class identity? So I'm going to read the class. We're just going to go from there. So cleric. Uh, res. Big heel. Big heel. Like the biggest heel goes to the cleric. Yeah. Dire Lord. Uh, magic absorption. I'm thinking know. like the... Uh, the splatter thing, like spreading the yes, blood splatter. disease. I that's really right. like that. So it's hard to say like it has to have for class. I think this is a class that's just for Pantheon. Um, Druid. Uh, the bridge. Well, again, it doesn't just have to be Pantheon. This is like a token ability across all games, but that's okay, fine. You can okay, do the bridge. Okay. You can do the bridge. Uh, for me, Druid, um, geez, I guess I think of roots. I think weird? porting. Yeah. Porting would be my answer. Actually. I don't know why I put like roots and, Thorns and stuff with druids. I don't know why. Thorns weird. is a good one. Thorns is a good one. I like that. Uh, next one's easy. Enchanter. Mez. Yeah, Mez. Gotta be Mez. Charm, maybe. But Mez, I would go first. Yeah. Um, monk. <laughs> Fiend death. Uh, roundhouse kick. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good one. I mean, yeah, you gotta have a roundhouse kick. Chuck Norris style. Uh, yeah. Paladin. Uh, some sort of like sword to skyward sword holy power. I don't know. I think <laughs> of like a it. blinding light. Like a yeah. big flash of light that hurts undead, blind stuff. Sure. I don't know why. That's right. All right. This is your class, Ranger. Tracking. 
Um, bow and arrow. Easy. Bow and arrow. <laughs> I don't know. They got to have some kind of ability is that? bow and arrow ability. I don't know. Shoot stuff from a distance. So they don't get die. <laughs> um, rogue stealth. Yeah, I was going to say stealth, but that was my answer too. Uh, shaman. Oh, you know, shaman man. for me is haste. Really? Yeah, that's a good one. I can see that. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, yeah, shaman's always been a haste thing. Like, I think I've ever quest. I think, oh, wow. That's what I get. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on the shaman. I don't know. Like, I I don't even know my pass. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. We just had the phone go off there, and that's going to be in this. So everyone's going to check in their phone. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> we have a couple more. Um, summoner pet. Uh, yeah. I mean, easy, right? It's got to be the, the pet thing. Yeah. Um, warrior. Um, warrior. Uh, Oh, man, I'm my brain is dying on me. Or I don't know. Shield. I don't taunt. think it's an ability. Yeah, like like for me, it's just heavy armor. Like damage mitigation is what I think of uh, for that. Yeah. Um, and finally, wizard. Now this is where I go port for wizard. Yeah, you'd say port here. I, mm. I would say I would say invisibility. I don't know. That pops into mm. my brain. And also, if Drac was here, we'd just say big fireball. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the first thing I thought of was Drac and fireballs. But then I thought, no, I, I don't want to take his answer because that's what he would say. All right, so that's it for today's mailbox. I'm going to throw it over to you. Sit back and relax. It's time for The Lore You Know. Okay, so there was an interesting lore question on the um, unofficial Pantheon Discord this week from uh, community member Ravencraft, who I actually quoted earlier. Um, They asked if if we've had any visual descriptions of the Revenant. So, like, what do they look like specifically? And it's a good question. I had to do a little re- little research. Um, we don't have a detailed visual. Um, what we do have is the tale of the Revenant, um, how they were created, and which gives us a little bit of flavor as to what they might look like. It's not a definitive answer, but this is as close as I think we can get. So I wanted to read a little piece of lore, what it says about the birth of the Revenant. In 450 IH, the third era of collisions began, critically starting with the aforementioned Jinto. At the time of their arrival, the infinite union was already crippled. The husband king of the union, Itero, had been exposed to a vast force of destructive power beyond even his control. And according to Semina's complete confession, the immortal god began to suffer from his ethereal wounds, like any common creature riddled with disease. Coupled with the sudden transference to Terminus, the bride queen of the union, Janavi, chose, her dis- chose to descend her husband's body to that of a high mortal, in hopes that this would stay the supernatural death inside of him knowing fully it would sever her from the touch of her beloved. Yet, while his condition seemed to deteriorate even further, the once glorious and benevolent captain of the Infinite Union became a gross and twisted half-god, full of violent darkness. His gift of creation melded with the powers afforded to him by his encounter with Semina's eyeless face of the Eclipse. While feigning a deepening of the illness, he began to raise an army of warriors, twisted in his own malevolent form. From members of the plentiful Jinto race, he had so long loved and prospered. Yet, Itero could not keep his nefariousness in the dark for long. With growing and broken-hearted dread, Janavi observed a corruption that could not be accounted for rippling through her people. The longer they were on Terminus, the deeper they were descending into, into depravity. A craven, vicious people, uncharacteristically violent, senseless, and wild. When Janavi confronted Itero, the eternal groom revealed himself as the author of this fateful chapter of their reign, prophesizing to her a war of the endless night that would consume all realms. He declared his new creation, the Revenant, and himself, the Ravaging Lord. And that's the lore you know. 
Well, awesome. Theric, and thank you for another great episode of The Rewind. Thanks to everybody who had to sit through a little a little angry rant. I got a little mad. <laughs> I triggered you. I, I told you I was going to today. I said, yeah, I'm you gonna, did. I'm going to get you going. So you guys don't realize that Theric is the creator of these rants most of the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, it's it's one of those things, man. Like, it's not a it's not a commentary on the Pantheon community. It's not a commentary on Josh Strife Hayes. It's, it's just this commentary on society. Like, again... Have your complaints. Cool. Like have critical feedback that can help the game be better. Cool. But like when you beat it into the ground and you need to form a mob to back you up or everyone else against you is just labeled, you know, uh, something that they're not so that you can try to devalue them. I, I just hate it. I just think it's awful. I think it's not the way a community builds. And again, like pick your hills to die on. You can't die on all of them. Like you just can't, not in a hobby, not in a game like this. So pick your hills, stand up for those, but have some, have a sense of discovery and have a sense of just saying, let's see how it goes because you need that sometimes in life. You can't just preempt everything and just hope it's everything you want in every single way, shape and form. Sometimes you got to take a chance and sometimes you learn to like something that you never thought you would. And that's an important aspect of life in general, in my opinion. So anyway, before I get longer into this rant, Theric, thanks for an amazing episode of The Rewind. Um, thank you, everyone who's listening, and we'll see you next time. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon Plus. Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.